0: Welcome to the KMOX
1: Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair.
0: Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
2: And good Saturday. Good morning. We have a wet day upon us and more in the front and more in the back. So it's been raining. We will continue some rain. Let's talk about whatever it takes to stay dry, keep our homes healthy and safe, as well as dry. Phone lines for your calls today. Two hours, two full hours. Cardinals play later this afternoon at the Pirates, so we've got a full two hours to talk about your home issues. This is the Cam Wex Home Improvement Show. Phone lines 314-436-7900, 436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120, 800-925-1120. Scott Mosby here at the helm, two full hours, and we're going to answer all your calls. So uh, bring them on, bring them in, and let's get started. Uh, With all of the rain that has occurred and will continue, uh, I had uh, MSD, um, Bess McCoy, on last week with KnowYourZone.org, KnowYourZone. And it's all the awareness about your home's possibility for flooding. We'll talk about that a little bit throughout the next two hours. But just be aware, this is a timely message because it's a valuable message. If you think that your house is dry and it will never flood, believe me, there are two types of uh, floods that occur inside houses. And I'll talk about those two types of uh, homeowners insurance writers because they're a special add-on to your homeowners insurance policy depending upon what company and what form you choose for your home insurance. One which is not talked about and hasn't come up yet is called boiler drain or boiler insurance and what that means back when we used to have boilers and the pipes would rupture flood the house with hot water uh that was where it came from that's where that name came from. The issue is any kind of interior pipe in your home, whether a drain water supply rupture <laughs> ruptured pipe, anything that causes you know supply water to damage your home, that is a special rupture or boiler drain or boiler insurance writer, And it's an extra 80 or 100 or something like that. Uh, You'll have to check with your insurance agent to find out uh, more. My purpose today is to make you aware that there are two types of writers. Then the second one, which uh, Bess McCoy was describing, and we'll talk about a little bit in the next two hours, is sheer, you know, good old-fashioned flood insurance. You know, when the river comes up or the storm sewer gets stuck with leaves and all of a sudden your home is not in a flood zone and you wind up with, you know, water damage inside the house. That is real, true flood insurance and that's a second type of insurance. So realize that if you get flood insurance, you're halfway there in having that conversation with your insurance agent because it's really important that... Whatever you choose, you know what you have, what you don't have, and what your risk is for those insurance writers that you don't have. You'd sound like you'd think I'm selling homeowner's insurance, but some things are just not really controllable. That's what insurance is for, is unforeseen things. Well, I I really challenge you to foresee and imagine um, things happening because with the weather we've had just in the past week, How quickly things can change. I mean, so we've got a little bit of rain forecast. Oh, never mind. Tornado, tearing trees down, stuff all over the road, you know, power lines down. So keep in mind, these things happen. We live in the Midwest. Uh, We're at the uh, northern edge of Tornado Alley. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've driven uh, north on Highway 44 from Springfield, Missouri and the Table Rock Lake area. Out, trying to outrun a tornado coming up Highway 44. So you know, just be aware we are in harm's way for these type of weather occurrences. And some of them re- result in some serious um, flooding. And keep in mind, it may not even be rising water. If you have pooling water with wind, it can drive that pooling water into your house. Just Anyway, just be aware. And the number one uh, water damage cause for homeowners insurance is ice makers. Because you have pressured supply water piped into your ho- into your uh, refrigerator for this ice maker, this thing is not made by NASA. It is not rocket science. It is a little float valve uh, that triggers when you know the the uh, ice chambers are empty and it puts water in. If that thing doesn't turn off its fill mechanism for those little ice uh, formation uh, trays, whatever your method is. That water winds up on your house and broken pipes. Well, that is the boiler drain type of insurance. So keep that in mind. We can talk about this and more. Um, You know, I'm loaded for bar. It's uh, 314-436-7900. Toll free 800-925-1120. Our location is unique. Um, We have more rivers and more water than you can shake a stick at. Uh, That's just where we live in the Midwest St. Louis area. If you can hear my voice, you are in a high, high uh, water damage possible zone and that's an important thing to talk about anyway, we can talk about that and more because tomorrow it cleans up a little bit, be a nice day outside soggy uh, soil just a little bit and Monday, as Brian Kelly mentioned, really nice weather seventy one degrees and off we are running so humidity St Louis off we go three one four four three six seven nine hundred eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Give you a little resume of me. my name is Scott Mosby i've been here for mm-hmm. I don't know, 23, 25 years, something like that. I love my Saturday mornings. Uh, The reason I do this show is because I'm kind of a student. I'm a nerd. You know, some people are nerds about computers. I'm nerds about all the weird things that I didn't know, that I didn't learn, that just doesn't make sense to me. Um, And really, in the business, my day job, Mosby Building Arts, this is our 75th year, Uh, so that's kind of exciting for me to see my father's um, little business that he started in his garage turn out to be you know three quarters of a century old that's kind of cool but the point being that i know uh, a lot about a little so i I, i'm not a specialist deep into electric deep into plumbing Uh, my um, interest is how do they all fit together or not Uh, and then what things can a company uh, like mosby building arts do to group position um pre-negotiate with uh, permit authorities how we get the best possible outcome, and then take it forward into really the uh, where we are today. Uh, the manufacturing companies can innovate and create new products faster than we at ground zero level of labor, the faster than we can train our tradesmen. So, uh, long and the short of it is, Mosby Building Arts has largely become a training organization because it only matters what happens right there at that moment of truth, whether that flashing piece gets tucked up or down, and that may be the difference between uh, some uh, good result and a not-so-good result. Phone lines 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Uh, for those of you that are regular listeners, thank you for the your permission to allow me to get away and travel and you know frankly go to school i mean i i haven't been to a National uh, Building Science uh, show up until a month ago, so I enjoy that. Thank you for uh, my ability to get out there, uh, do the research, the traveling, all the nerd stuff I do that really helps you. So bring it on. We're going to take a short pause here in just a minute minute on KMOX, but uh, bring on your phone calls, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. This is KMOX, and I am at your service.
0: Serving St. Louis for over 96 years, KMOX.
2: All right, here we go. Home improvement, two full hours, phone lines for you. Your topic is all inbounds. Bring it on, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, all the way up until 1 o'clock today. Let's go to the phone lines fired up by Bosco. My little pet gerbil is spinning around on the treadmill, creating all the electricity necessary to broadcast this with a little bit of help from Amron well, maybe a whole lot of help from Amarin. Uh Let's go with my friend DJ. Hey, DJ, good morning. Welcome. Happy Saturday to you, brother. Hope you're staying high and dry.
3: Well, yeah, so far, so good. I hope you are, too.
2: <laughs> Thank you. So far, so good is the uh, operative term. <laughs> How can I help?
3: Well, I got a, I got a question to swim by you. Um, my son bought a house a year ago. It's five-year-old house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guest bathroom has the uh, vent going 24 hours and according to a builder he says that's to help vent or air the house and the other question is with it, the light switch that would normally work for the vent doesn't turn it off or on is is that true I've had different opinions but and shouldn't that light switch still give you the option to turn that off or on
2: uh, that's just perf- personal preference um, The the running vent fan is kind of an inexpensive or easy, excuse me, easy way to get air changes in the house. Um, as you run vent fans, it draws a vacuum on the house. And effectively, in a five-year-old house, it should be built pretty tightly. But generally, it will cause influx, inflow, air infiltration, whatever you want to call it stuff. Air comes inside. Fresh air comes inside your house from outside. And that's the purpose of that vent fan. And when you... And I'll talk about that a little bit more. But that is, believe it or not, some rather um, advanced kind of building science. Uh, that if uh, Because the concept of good building science is build the house tight and then vent it right. Um, well, so now it sounds like he's kind of a little bit building scientist, kind of up on it pretty well. I like that Um but personally, I would want that vent fan to go off, you know, especially if my bedroom's right around the corner from that fan or whatever it is. So um, the issue is that um, uh, you'll probably need an electrician to figure out how to wire that because they may have wired that with a switch leg down into the switch box itself where the actual switch location is for the light, Um and then just connected the two wires so that there was no sweet switch there, so how it was wired is uh depends on whether or not you need to run a new wire up there, which gets a little problematic and you 're opening up some drywall et cetera et cetera et cetera so uh that's kind of what okay. you're up against but it it, it, does, you, it does it does it's kind of a it's a good thing, let me put it that way. The awareness of it is, but there are a lot of good, healthy things for houses that are a little bit of a pain to live with for us as humans.
3: All right. I just had different opinions, and you, you sound like you're more towards the uh, everybody else saying the same thing. So thank you.
2: Okay. Well, good luck, DJ. And there's no wrong answer. There's no right answer. Uh, the The one right answer is what does the homeowner really want? You know, because, uh, you know, I I can I can make you very healthy. You can't eat any meat. You have to exercise your your, you know, your no alcohol. You know, you sleep, you know, all well, life may not be all that fun. So it's same thing for houses. I can make a really healthy house, but, you know, an energy efficient. It just may not be as comfortable as you want it. You see what I mean? Okay, DJ, thanks for the call Uh, again. And and that that is the right answer is what does the homeowner really want? And when you get a home that's built in a subdivision, the builder, a designer is making all these decisions largely for the entire uh, subdivision. Uh, which holds the price down, the cost down, uh, makes fewer errors because the electricians wiring it the same way every time, Uh, which also then on the other side of it, which is why some of uh, production builders like this, they're a little tough to work with that, you know, adding a switch for that might be, no, we just won't do that. And and pretty much it's a process flow um, type of thing for all good reasons. (laughs) <laughs> except you're the homeowner buying a new house that doesn't, you know, isn't quite put together the way you want it. Uh, 314-436-7900 800-925-1120. Let's uh, talk to my buddy Craig. Hey Craig, good morning. Welcome to uh, Cam Wex on this wet Saturday. How can I help you?
1: Hi, good morning, Scott. Uh, say I have a deck that was built uh, about 6 or 7 years ago and we have some underdecking product that was put on it and they uh, trimmed it out very nicely with some aluminum um, I'll call it flashing or whatever around the outside. Uh, the, the question I have, however, is on the outside, and I, are those called ledger boards or whatever the ones that are on the outside that are parallel
2: to the house? Uh, yeah, if they're attached, if they're attached to the house, it would be a ledger.
1: Okay, well, it's on the opposite side then. I'm I, I'm sorry, I don't know what those beams. are called, but in, the beams. Yeah. Okay, then uh, where the beams are on the underneath side, those are uh, again flashed with. Uh, nice uh, aluminum product and whatnot. The problem I have is that where the seams are on that aluminum, it, uh, it kind of leaks yeah. a little bit underneath. And I'm wondering, should I drill weep holes there to allow the water to escape, or what is your suggestion for that?
2: Well, this is pretty much whatever you want. Uh, if it's treated lumber, uh, you can allow it to hold the water. But, again, You know, that's again, the underdecking is a way to collect the water (laughs) The the, you know, tough challenge is how do you get rid of that water, let it slope exhaust and then gutter it and then down. But how do you do that in an attractive way? So I like what you're describing. Um, uh, I would drain it personally. I I am one that in, you know, I would prefer to have the water come out if you don't drill the holes. I assume those joints are probably going to leak anyway.
1: Yeah, and, and that's fine. And then, like I say, I guess my thought was to drill some weep holes about every, uh, maybe, I don't know what, 12, 16, 18 inches or something, and then uh, where the holes are, perhaps even try to uh, like pull them down so they're like slightly funneled downward, if that makes yeah. sense.
2: Well, the, would kind would of that the, way the, the way those underdecking things work and flashing-wise, the other way to do this is uh, effectively, you know, uh, you may need to slope the um, brake metal, B-R-A-K-E, the bent up metal, what you call flashing around those beams, hopefully treated lumber, that that becomes a big gutter and you keep the water in there. You have to provide then a, an exhaustion, an escape, a leak, an end of the gutter where the water then comes out. So you can let it out along the way with your weep holes. That's one way to do it. Uh, the other way is just to let it leak at the beams. Then you wind up with this unsightly mess you can't really ever clean up. It will it will stain and, you know, five years from now it won't be that attractive or you seal those joints up, which is equally difficult because you're sealing it up from the outside in, which is hard to do, you know, especially if it's been up for some years now. But the other thing is, is you let the water drain down and you choose where the water comes out. And that requires that you're flashing your beam ramp around those treated beams has, you know, maybe a eighth of an inch and eight feet, you know, just a tiny, tiny little bit of, of uh, slope, which if you get. Enough water flow slope in it, it becomes unattractive because, you know, who built this thing on a level? That that's the appearance Right,
1: it takes right. On. Yeah, now the the uh, the, uh, the material that was actually used for the underdecking and stuff, that work that part works all fine. It's yeah. just the uh, the, uh, the trim or the brake work, as you called it, that, that's around the outside is, is yeah. uh, the, the challenge that I'm trying to take care of. So, yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll probably just try the, the small pin weep holes uh, first mm-hmm. and see how that works. And I guess worst case scenarios, if it ends up not working so well or whatever, I can have somebody come out and, and uh, put some something else up in the, in the meantime. So,
2: OK, cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. You bet Craig, there is no right answer. Just think this through so it works for you the way you want it because the these underdecking materials, and I've seen them from really inexpensive to really elaborate, the better ones have a good gutter collection uh, attraction with it. Um, and I've even seen um, the floor joist held up higher. Um, over the beams with some pretty elaborate connection with the you know the floor joists and the beam, so this underdeck material kept on going and did not dump into where the beam was. So anyway, um, you got your hands full. There is no good way these systems <laughs> work frankly, when you put a beam underneath it. So the, the, uh, the, let me retrospect the way to do that is the ledger or the the joist cap on the end of the floor joist you double or triple those up and put joist hangers on it so there is no under beam. And what that means is you have no drop-down beam below that ceiling. Then your columns go out on that end beam uh, band joist as it's sometimes called, meaning it's like a a ribbon band around the end of the floor joist. And you move your structure out there. That increases the span, sometimes makes uh, uh, bigger floor joists in there. But then you can put your water collection, you know, the brand name of, of choice is the under deck, and it slides underneath there and it just goes free span all the way out to where that beam band joist column support piece is with no down bump of and and if you can design that in and that's kind of why Mosby Building Arts is design build, because if that's really what you're trying to do, we might go outside of the normal way of building things in order to deliver what the owner really wants, and that's, you know, good under deck underneath, so, et cetera, et cetera. How's that for a long answer to a short question?
1: <laughs> Very good. All right, Scott, thanks again.
2: Right on, Craig. Take care. Good luck. Around the office at Mosby Building Arts, that's what we call people roll their eyes. It's like, oh, here we go again. We're scotting it up, you know, which is explain all the ways. Because really my role is, is primarily um in a library function and a training and a historical you know what went wrong in the past how what builder had this done in ohio that really caused a real mess that now we're creating and changing our building methods of how we put things together so anyway that's the deal that's when i describe design build um that's kind of thing And, and when people ask me where do you start when you're trying to build a new house or a remodel a house, do you start with the builder, or do you start with the architect? And generally, um, <clears throat> it, there it's, it's a 50-50 answer, because it depends which good one you find first. Uh, when you start with an architect, then generally, they're pretty good at what they do. And uh, we love working with architects, but they're more... Aesthetic, and they're in, they're responsible for a lot of stuff, including the flashing. Well, so you pay the architect a little bit of money, and you pay the builder of the remodeler a whole bunch of money, and the remodeler winds up or the builder winds up holding all the uh, warranty responsibility. Well, if it's a bad design, and the builder has to follow the design, and the architect has the authority to say, yeah, that's the way it's drawn, that's the way you bid it, that's the way we're building it. Well, now you wind up with, you know, a bad design being warrantied by somebody or an entity, a company that didn't get a chance to fix it. So that's why we got in, or my dad got into design build years ago. He wanted a vote at the table early on on how to get things built correctly because we're the blokes holding on to the warranty responsibility of getting it right. And frankly, we build these things so many times that, you know, you build them right, they work out fine, you build them wrong. Man, it comes back, surfaces, and off we go again. Anyway, so my long and the short of it is that's why design build is one of the building delivery models. And, and the, the way I answer that question is if you find a really good builder, one you click with, one you really trust, or remodeler, uh, start there and have them get the architect. But make sure that the architect and the builder are teammates. I mean, peer-to-peer. Uh, you get one that gets a little bit of an attitude above the other. Uh, then you wind up with the homeowner um, being the arbitrator in between, well, you know, which one is right. So, uh, But if you find an architect that's really the clicker, I mean, you find the person, uh, man or woman, that's the right answer because they generally know the contractors as well. And the whole thing about um, uh, bid, bidding the job uh, or or that – the issue is with architects, you wind up bidding the job uh, on a bid-build method. Uh, the design-build basically says, "I don't care who you are, both of you guys are responsible for making this turn out right." So it's a little bit um, more team-related. Uh, generally, will cost you a little bit more because they're more outcome-related than price-related. Um, so just be aware that's just kind of the way it is. Anyway, I'm going to take a short pause, uh, get up, uh, get off my stump here in the rain. Uh, Scott Mosby, KMOX, Home Improvement. I'll be right back for more after this.
0: KMOX is Cardinals Radio. Tonight, it's the
1: Cards and Pirates. Amron Pregame Show 440, first pitch 535 on KMOX and streaming on KMOX.com.
2: All right, Home Improvement Scott Mosby, KMOX. I'm getting a little skinny on phone callers. Give me a call. I'm sitting in the uh, studio here all by myself. Uh, You know, it's kind of dark, light, you know, rain outside. Uh, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Toll free 800-925-1120, 925-1120. Bring it on. Lots to talk about. We've talked about underdecking, which I'll tell you what that is in a little bit. Also, um, a venting a vent fan. Uh, two topics, very um, um, uh, timely, if you will, for this time of year. Next up, let's go to the phone lines and talk to my friend Lynn. Lynn, good morning. Welcome to Camwex. Hope you're staying dry.
4: Hey, yes, I am. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, my problem is the on my base or on my uh, the sill on my garage wall. It's flaking off. The concrete is. And it's uh, been doing that for, oh, a few years, and it's granular in nature, not chunks of it coming out. So I'm looking for a product that I can use to, to patch back over that.
2: Uh, describe the sill. Where is this concrete again? Oh, I'm having okay, trouble a, visioning.
4: I'm sorry. I'm not sure I'm calling it the right thing. So it'd be your garage wall, what the two-by-four walls sit on.
2: Okay, yeah, forced. understood, yeah. yes
4: sir. And so there's is this a on the places. inside or the outside? It's on the inside. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can clean that up a couple months later, there'll be some more there and I'll clean it up again. And that's been going on for
2: oh, three or four years. Uh Len, how old is your house? It is sixteen years old. Wow, that's new concrete. Um wow. And it's in
4: two places that it's doing that.
2: Is there any moisture, or is there a place where you might have been putting salt or some sort of a concrete deteriorant like that, That you know, for freezing reasons? No.
4: No, both of them are uh, – neither one of them have had, like, any salt or anything like that on it.
2: Okay. Well, my concern yeah. is this could be one of the pla- – when when concrete is poured – there is an accelerant, something that makes the concrete set up faster. It, it makes the chemical reaction go faster. It's called chloride. And salt is sodium chloride. If you get too much of any of that stuff in one area of the concrete, and if it's toward the end of the pore, um and it could be up at the top when your foundation wall, is, and that's what it is. This is your foundation wall, or you know, yeah. it's a short wall, so we call it a stem wall sometimes, meaning it's a shorter wall. But on the top, okay. some of those um, um, concentrations, if, if the uh, ready mix is not fully mixed in the trucks, um, you can get a little more chloride in one pocket there than another. Um, well, that, that's that... exactly
4: what I, I have a feeling that that's what what it is. That it was something in these two areas with the mix of the concrete at that uh at at that time and so i was looking for something that i could trowel on or if it's a professional repair or or what i would need to do to
2: to get that to stop how much material have you lost is it uh small amounts or is there are there pox and chunks missing well, it's not chunks. It's
4: like small, and then I'll see. I can see the rocks from the uh, yeah. the cement, but it's always like the stuff is like sugar. It's granular like that that keeps flaking off. And uh, like I say, I can I can sweep it, take the blower, clean it off. Yeah. A couple months later, it'll be there again, some more, and I just keep doing. I'd say in some places it might be three quarters of an
2: inch has is uh, deteriorated. Your your cement may have frozen as well, which also happens at the top of the concrete forms like that because you get, you know, the forms on the two sides and then the concrete makes its own heat. And then up at the top, there's really nothing on it. If, if you're if that night after that pour got a little too chilly, that could explain this as well. Um, and I don't think you can stop it is the issue here. Um, uh, if, if this is, if it's either a freeze or a chloride constant or something, it sounds like this is happening from the inside out. I don't think it's a structural issue. Um, it's just aesthetic. But it's it's basically rust on a car, cancer. You've got to cut it out until you get down to a good flesh or good steel on an automobile. Uh, before you can start building something back up, my concern is um, you're just going to invest more. Because if you go at it with kind of a, you know, just a, a hammer and just tap around for the loose stuff, and you should be able to hear it, um, you need to get that down to the solid stuff. Well, golly, if this is frozen or bad you know concrete from the inside out you'll never stop so that that's the problem I would rake it off Uh, I would look for some sort of an epoxy type material you'd have to prime the concrete first to make sure it kind of sticks um, or a patching cement, then it's going to be a totally different color and more ugly now, more ugly after the repair than the finish. So you'd have to then uh, coat it with, uh, you know, a paint or an epoxy paint or something like that to kind of make it all the same color. Sure. Um, yeah. That. The other thing you I can don't do think is it was flash caused it. by freezing. Yeah.
4: I, okay. Because it was poured in the spring, and I, I don't think uh-huh. it was caused by any freezing like at that time. But yeah. yeah.
2: Well, the other thing you can do here, Lynn, is you can actually put a metal flashing piece on it where, uh, for example, we see this on basement foundation windows where the water just comes down behind the brick or behind the siding. It hits that steel lintel above that window and it just rusts the steel window out. So you can't really stop the water from coming or the damage from occurring, but you can just cover it over and give it a better aesthetic look. So consider an apron a flashing metal or something that lays over this ugly thing that uh, gives you a better appearance okay all right
4: all right i think i'll look into something like the epoxy that i can yeah you know, that i can clean that out and get all the loose stuff removed and and uh I'll, I'll check it with a hammer too and just see how how it sounds and that and uh I was thinking that it was maybe something that if I got the air to stop coming to it, that it might quit quit doing it. So that's why I was looking at this uh, epoxy-type repair. Yeah.
2: Well, the air is is full of moisture in St. Louis, so it's a moisture issue that's causing this uh, deterioration. So, the, But the moisture is coming right along with the air, so I, I get where you're going.
4: Yeah. Okay.
2: All right. All right. Well, Good luck. That, You've got your hands full yeah. there, Lynn. All right. Thank you. All righty, bye now. Bye. All right, uh, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We are off and running, gonna take a short pause, and I'll come right back for more right after this.
0: This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by
1: Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair.
0: Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
2: Oh, yeah. All right, back together here. We've got a follow-up to a bathroom fan question earlier so uh, DJ had it got us started this first hour. Uh, let's talk with my buddy Bill. Hey Bill, good morning. Welcome, to Cam Wax. How can you weigh in on the bath fan?
5: Well sir, uh, thanks for taking the call. Number one, uh, always love your show. But uh, just a, a, qu- I'm a, I'm a retired electrician uh, mm-hmm. actually, and the conversation you had with the gentleman with the uh, exhaust fan, bathroom exhaust fan, that is wired to run twenty four seven.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: That that's really not a good idea, because most of these res the vast majority of these residential uh, exhaust fans are what's called intermittent duty only. Yeah. And if, if they are left on twenty four seven, they perfect. can oh, they they can they can burn out. And I'm actually aware of at least one home that uh, the homeowner accidentally left the bath fan on. They went on vacation. And while they were away on vacation, uh, that fan actually caused a house fire. So I just wanted to pass that along.
2: Well, Well, Bill, intermittent use only. Basically, if you're running this bath fan um, uh, 24-7, if they go out looking for one, what is the terminology? Is that continual use or, or tell me?
5: Yes, it's it's a con- continual use, uh, heavy duty. It should be uh, re- that rating should be reflected on the UL label. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. it, if you looked closely at the UL rating uh, on the existing fan, or like I said, ninety nine percent of the residential grade type, they yeah. are intermittent use only. Yeah,
2: yeah, agreed. Thank you. That was something I hadn't thought of. That's another issue. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it, brother. Have a good day. Thank you. All right, Bill, retired electrician, uh, bath fans, and you know the ones we're talking about. Most of them are pretty um, basic, make more noise than they do move air. Uh, There are upgrade fans, but they're, as Bill says, uh, continuous use um, or something... um, something duty is the thing or continuous use and it's interesting because bill said make sure that continuous use or rating is in the underwriters lab the ul listing so that it's really um, built for that and tested as that application good point thanks a lot bill uh, let's see what's cooking here let's go to uh ooh, here's one let's go to joan hey joan uh, good morning welcome to camo x how can we help here
6: well good morning um, i don 't have any brothers in the area, and i'm trying to figure out where I could go to learn to use maybe a chainsaw and possibly some other power tools
2: ooh I like that um, i'll tell you what there are um, um, lawn and garden places that sell uh, blower you know for to the trade primarily they 'll typically sell Uh, Upscale uh, chainsaws and lawn equipment like a steel STIHL. Companies like that have realized that there are a lot of homeowners that want to learn this stuff and uh, it, it. so I'm I'm aware that there are or were some years ago classes that you could sign up, you know, for, you know, because they want to sell you a chainsaw. It's like, well, right. if you're afraid of a chainsaw, which is a wise place to start, frankly. Uh, I think you can look around some of these lawn and garden places uh, that supply that kind of equipment more. Um, lawnmowers, blowers, chainsaws. It's where the tree trimmer guys go. I know that's where we uh, buy a lot at Mosby, and I think they do have some um, homeowner classes. At least that's a great place to start, and and I really applaud you, Joan, because there there aren't too many more dangerous tools in the, in the tool shed than a chainsaw. And you can also buy a small electrical-driven one, which is a little lighter, smaller, still got a nasty, whizzing, you know, sharp chain on it. But uh, uh, I honor you for uh, finding out about that because, you know, times like this, everybody needs a chainsaw.
6: Yeah, right. Okay. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Right on. Okay. Good luck, Joan. Take Thank care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, uh, one thing that happened uh, years ago, this is kind of funny, because Joan brings up a really good question. is like, how do I empower myself to take care of my house? You know, and a, a branch falls. And uh, if it falls across my driveway, it may not be a real big branch, you know, something that I can get out and take care of. But I can't because I don't have the tool and knowledge and all that stuff. And and it's too big to just drag the whole thing off the driveway. You know, it's that type of thing. Well, we ran into the same thing in garage overhead door openers, oh, 10, 15 years ago at Mosby. You know, we had the big high storm power outage, the whole thing. Well, we had, you know, a whole bunch of clients that just couldn't get out of their garage. You know, they just, no power, no electric, can't go. And it was one even in the summer, too, and we ran around and opened people's garages for them. And then we started sending out emails like, this is how you open your garage door when you don't have power. Now, interestingly, many of the manufacturers, you know, the Chamberlain garage door openers and all that, some of those upper-end models actually have backup batteries in them to this type of thing that, you know, if you buy a nice enough garage door or overhead opener... Press a button, have no electric. It'll go up. It goes up slowly. Um, And I'm aware of even some of the uh, cordless power packs for drills and power tools. You know, some of those brands, you can plug one of those batteries in the side of some brands of garage door openers. And lo and behold, darn thing opens. So uh, just be aware that um, there are times like this, when the damage is so widespread, weather occurrences are so widespread, that you, you just need uh, you know, a limb saw to go out there and cut up that branch that fell on your yard and, and not really have to depend on you know, the police, the fire, the emergency services, the trees, service, all the guys that are too busy to come get you out of your house. Scott Mosby, stay tuned for Hour 2 right here on University of KMOX.
0: Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center.
1: The place with the big red chair.
0: Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
2: All right, lunchtime, bean time, top of the hour, middle of the day. It is the middle of the country, middle of the day, middle of the rainy day, and we have one more hour of the Home Improvement Show. Stay tuned. Cardinal Baseball coming up later this afternoon. As Mr. Kelly said, 440 pregame show today. So cards are at it. They get to travel and be away from the rain. We're here throughout the duration today and this afternoon, a little more into the evening perhaps and a great day, and it's a Sunday, so, you know, I think it's going to be kind of a neighborhood cleanup day for you. Uh, For those of you that are out and about, uh, be aware that um, if you have skills and you've cleaned up your yard, it it may be kind of half-saw-will travel um, time to kind of get out there and, you know, help the neighborhood, help your neighbors, uh, look into people that might not have the ability, kind of like Joan, on using a chainsaw. Uh, Over the top of the hour, Joan, this is for you. Um, I face that same thing. I'm very adept at a chainsaw. But, you know, I I just, um, you know, I'll use it if I have to. I have one, but I bought a bow saw. And this is a, a bow saw that is purchased in the lawn and garden department of a hardware store. And it has really big teeth on the blade and a bow saw means it kind of like a hacksaw has a metal frame but it bows about a foot and it's got a wood cutting tree trimmer and that's what I use mostly around my yard now it's either pruners, loppers or a bow saw because I just don't really want to drag out the chainsaw pulling, you know, and then, you know, in the end of the winter time, you know, drain down the fuel and all the maintenance that goes with it. So that's why the electrical chainsaws are becoming so popular for homeowners. But for you, uh, if you can get what's called a bow saw, uh, it can cut through a two inch limb uh, back and forth, just like a, you know, wood saw might be with a, a carpenter. You can cut through a two inch limb in about 40 seconds you know, so it, it's um, it's safer. Uh, still keep your hands away from that uh, blade. When you see the blade, you'll know why. But the point being that um, around my house, I seldom fire up the chainsaw unless it's really big. Uh, just because, you know, I I just don't want the muss and the fuss. So check into a bow saw, please. And, and that's uh, Joan and anybody else because it doesn't it it doesn't need to be winterized it doesn't have a carburetor it doesn't require any fuel other than you to have a good breakfast so uh that would be the way I would go at it also uh if you know what a lopper is, they're big long handled cutters for uh, I use them to cut out seedlings and sprigs and you know things that are about an inch in diameter and generally those loppers joan uh I did man ninety percent of my fallen tree branch stuff. With that, because I, you know, in the time it would take me to fire up, clean up, and do the chainsaw just to get it ready to go, I pretty much had it all cut down and stuffed in trash cans ready to go. Anyway, we've got uh, another hour here on the Camoex Home Improvement Show, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. I've got some patient callers that held over the uh, top of the hour. Let's get to my friend Samuel, see what's cooking with him. Hey, Samuel, good afternoon. Thanks for getting us started for lunchtime on Camoex. How can I help?
7: Yes um, I have an old tile corporate i mean tile in my kitchen, mm-hmm. and it's that big roll of tile that's over the kitchen floor and I wonder how do I take that up
2: uh number one, be careful uh well, let me back up one more. My first name is Samuel, so this is Samuel talking to Samuel uh just yep. him yep, there you go, so off we run <laughs> the that material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm a samuel scott so i i, I kind of like that so
7: and i'm a samuel davis how about that
2: all right well nice meeting you samuel i like samuel's right. you know by the way some of my best friends are samuel's
7: <laughs> i know <laughs> i love samuel davis
2: <laughs> uh, hey watch okay. that stuff that roller um in the old time depending on the age of that material some of that old linoleum is that what you're talking about that type of material yes Yeah, Yeah, that can have a boatload of asbestos in it, Samuel. Um, So before you start messing with that, break off a little piece, spritz it with a little bit of soapy water, break it off, put it in a plastic bag, and get it tested uh, at a flooring place, or you can call my office, we can give you a name. But before you start tearing that stuff out, there's a 70 75% chance that old... Roll sheet floor and tiles, you know, twelve by twelve, eight by eight inch, nine by nine tiles. That stuff, that stuff had had asbestos in it because it was a miracle fiber. It was, you know, fireproof and all oh. kinds of good things. So beware. I can tell you how to take it off. Uh, long and the short of it, if it if it turns out to be safe and not asbestos asbestos uh, reinforced inside. Then you're better to take off the underlayment, the plywood underneath it. And it sounds like it's a mess. It is a mess. Um, right. But trying to get that, um, that old linoleum off, even it's vinyl in the newer stuff, there's a paper backing on most of that stuff. So you pull that stuff, it comes right off. You think, man, this is really easy. Then you're looking at this lumpy, bumpy paper stuff you know like for a like you know buying clothes at the you know department store it's that same kind of gray fleshy flat cardboard well that's that'll go on for weeks then you're better off just pulling off usually a quarter inch plywood that's underneath it and it will have a gajillion nails in it or staples too samuel so this neither one of this is good if it turns out to be asbestos I will tell you, most of the flooring companies just leave it alone, and if you can handle it, just put a new underlayment over it, a quarter-inch underlayment plywood-type material, and floor right over it. Now, the nasty little secret buried in there is that floor comes up. If you have a built-in dishwasher or refrigerator with cabinets or countertop over the top, sometimes those appliances no longer fit because you just raise the floor and close down the height of that opening. Oh. I'm full of good (laughs) news, aren't I?
5: (laughs) Yes, you sure.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We can back up and you just pretend
7: you never called. What's that? I got a better idea now how to, you know, you try to get it done, you know.
2: Yes, yes. Well, I I will tell you that once you go through it, when you figure out, all right, I'm going to take this floor up. Now my floor in the kitchen goes down a little and then I come back up. And if you were to go over it, you wind up with, you know, sometimes three-quarters of an inch, one-inch high kitchen floor, and it's a real trip hazard. So, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint, and I haven't found anybody that's getting younger yet. Most of us are getting older together. So that trip hazard becomes a big deal. So I'll bet bet you'll wind up taking this thing up. And if it does have lino, uh, asbestos in the linoleum, Samuel, you can just you just have an, a, um, a hazardous waste um, demo contractor, and they typically come in and take it up for. It's not a cheap date eight eight hundred to fifteen hundred dollars or something like that to get rid of it. But it's a, you know, they show up in the moon suits and respirators and all that stuff. Oh, uh, oh well. <laughs> we can go back to we can go back to saturday morning and just pretending you didn't call you know i didn't
7: (laughs) yeah yeah well thanks dr Mosley and sam i'll try to work with it the best i can
2: yeah you know what you're up against but i would get it tested to start just to find out whether you're going to be electric or not when you're done right (laughs) okay take care (laughs) All right. Thanks, Samuel. Uh, Scott Mosby Home Improvement got us going. And again, we used to have this a lot, but that asbestos is everywhere because it was the miracle fiber. Um, You know, when I was a kid in grade school, I remember I bumped into somebody on the basketball court, and it was winter, and he had on a heavy coat, and it was actually a fiberglass spun coat, and that's when fiberglass was coming out. Well, fiberglass was, you know, great insulator. Somebody figured out they'd make a a coat out of this stuff. Well, I bumped into his shoulder pretty hard, and, you know, I kind of split my lip, but went into the doctor for stitches. It looks like somebody cut this thing. Like, no, nobody cut my lip. It's just bouncing off of the basketball kid. Uh, so anyway, that, just be aware that when these new fibers and innovations come out, and they've been coming out for 100 years, um, you know, they get plugged into places where maybe we don't quite know. But But asbestos was, it still is and an incredible material. It just does not get along with lungs, humans, and animals on any level. Anyway, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. I'll get off my stump. we have got some phone lines open, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. Bring it on. I'm here, and happy to be with you on this wonderful Saturday on KMOX. Okay, back together, home improvement. We have uh, Cardinal Baseball coming up. Believe it or not, rain or shine. They're uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, Pre-game show starts right here on KMOX, 440 p.m. Go Cards. Uh, Hey, did you catch pool holes? pitching uh, last week that was kind of an interesting thing tuned in the game and uh, lo and behold like what's he doing on them this is interesting well anyway so we will see that later this afternoon let's go right to the phone lines and a very patient Nancy hey Nancy thanks for staying staying on over the break how can I help you the middle of the day here on Camwax.
6: hi Scott thanks for taking my call because I'm afraid I'm going to have to bring up garage walls again but um, (laughs) I find myself now, um, having my mom and dad's house, both of them have passed away, and my dad just recently. And in the garage, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do some things, you know, in anticipation of, um, you know, inspections and things like that.
4: Sure. And
6: um, in the, on the garage walls, these are not uh, the other gentlemen. See, so to me, I, I've been calling them like fiberboard walls, you know, just smooth walls. Uh, The house is probably around 40 years old, something like that. They were like the second owners of the house, and I know they've been in at least 38 years, so a little bit more than that. And it almost looks like dad or somebody did it on purpose. There are round holes punched in a few places in the wall on the garage, especially on one side. And then I noticed that up at the top on the ceiling where we would go into the kitchen, He's got a couple holes up there, and I noticed it, and I, I noticed it a while ago, and I asked him about it, but his, his uh, deal was always, oh, I'll take care of it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so um, I don't know who to call to have come out and look at this for me, and I can't tell if he was trying to access something inside the wall or um, and the hole that's above us, uh, where we would go in the kitchen, um, that, I think, is attic space maybe up there.
3: Mm-hmm. And
6: yeah. so I don't know what his, you know, what his reasoning was for it. But I I need to do something with it. And it might just be a patch. I mean, it, I don't know. Maybe he was looking for something. He didn't find it. And now there are <laughs> holes in the wall. And well, then I have another. Uh, yeah, okay. another. Keep going. Um, so I don't know who to call. I don't know okay. who to call on.
2: Okay. Uh, The holes in the wall could be for running, electric, or just seeing what's up there. So it's not uncommon to have these holes, and sometimes the cleaner you cut them, the easier they are to patch. Um, Is it drywall um, on those walls and ceiling?
6: Yeah. I mean, um, like I said, it doesn't look like... Like when you go into a house and sometimes the the finish on the walls, you know, is... um, uh, especially older houses this is a little bumpy and all that type of thing and people have right. painted or whatever, but this is very flat, very flat walls. And so yeah. that's what I was calling. It was like fiberboard. And there's even a couple of places and I don't know if this was a fix or something different that it looks like almost like wallpaper that's peeling down a little, you yeah. know, there's uh from the top, it looks like it's kind of wanting to hang. Well. And, um,
2: what city are you in? What, um... I'm in
6: Florissant. It's a regular, like, subdivision, Florissant-Hazelwood area.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, here's two things. It, to find out what you're up against, number one, you can either mm-hmm. get a private home inspector, just like for buying a house, and get, you know, right. an ashy American Society of Home Inspectors. They can go through, pretty much flag all of these without ever becoming recorded on the municipality's, you know, needs right. improvement list. You see what right. I mean? Uh, yeah, I kind so, of know.
6: You hire them to come out basically yeah, before you even put the house up for
2: sale. That's right, hyper- that type of thing. Okay. Well, that's number one, and uh-huh. number two, I will tell you the the real estate market is so incredibly hot that um, it's a rare list of homes that are already fixed up before sale now for the last year, year and a half. Right. Uh, is, you know, so I wouldn't necessarily, you could sell the house as is, shift all of that to them, uh, probably yeah. still in a hot, you know, I mean, it's a great neighborhood where you are, so, you yeah. know, it's in demand. Uh, so consider I that. I
6: that. You know, I, in fact, I was teasing my son. I said, I almost want to sell it like an ugly house or one of those people that come in, you know, and not have to deal with uh, things. Right. Because, as I said, my dad was, you know, if he could get by cheaply, Or if he could get by without just not looking at it. You know, that's the way it was. And there were times when we stepped in to kind of do things just in case. And um, so, okay, that's – so you think maybe that would be a better thing. Don't – just get somebody to come out, pay pay an inspector to come out, basically, for my benefit. Yeah. And – or just go ahead and tell a real estate agent whatever they find. Maybe I'll knock the price down a little or maybe
2: just – you know, yeah. put it on the people that are buying it. I don't know. Gosh, oh. Nancy, my advice to you is if you have a good real estate agent, they will guide mm-hmm. you through all of this because yeah, the lack of homes yeah. on the market for sale mm-hmm. has just turned everything. I mean, this ugly homes, I don't think you need them. You just do a regular sale. Right. Um, yeah. the, I, I think it'll spin your head um, how good things can be without having well, to address any of these Yeah, things. that
6: and someone did recommend that to me too, call an agent first. And get yeah. their
2: opinion. Okay, oh, yeah.
6: So I'm all for that if I don't have to share something. Yeah. I think I'm like my dad in that respect. I'll pay <laughs> someone.
2: Or well, I'll no must, on. no fuss. I mean, you're going to pay for that's it, get, right. you know, being a general contractor, getting it fixed, or you're going to pay for it on the end, you know, on the beginning that's of, right. you know, price adjustments. So That's you know, right. Which, which one do you want?
6: And I actually went through this, um, sold um, a business condo that we had in Bridgeton. And I did have to fix that poor old thing up. But, you know, after I did do some things to it, I did what I needed to do, nothing more, nothing less, you know. And she, yeah. the, the woman came in more than full price because she knew that she got a deal because I paid for a lot of the things that she would have had, too. Yeah. So she even offered me extra money on the price. So I don't think that's gonna happen again, but she was so excited to get into the office and she knew so it was almost like she tipped me. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. um yeah, I'm I'm having a good streak with houses. Well thanks. Um that makes me feel good. I won't have to wonder why he stuffed a potholder up into one of the holes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I go into some of these houses and I walk around, and some of the houses are so well—I mean, everything's in the right place. Uh, the windows are at the view, and then yeah. some of the houses are just make no sense. And I, I'm equally interested in who built this house. <laughs>
6: Well, yeah, you know, and like I said, you know, he he was a great dad. We loved him to death. He was a real corker, you know, just uh, he was an insurance salesman. So like me, he likes to talk or I got we all got that (laughs) from him. All the kids in the family, uh, big talkers, you know, but uh, but thanks, Scott. That that makes me feel kind of good. It kind of knows what direction I need to go to then. Thank you very much. I always enjoy the Internet show. And um, yeah, and I would suggest. Um, when anybody's looking for something, too, if they're looking for a quick, quick something that's not very important, not a big thing that they want to fix, I have uh-huh. helped myself on YouTube with YouTube videos yes.
2: oh, my showing me how yes.
6: to do little things. Yeah, so that's another thing. Well, thank you. I'll let you go because I know you have a lot of people lined up.
2: Okay, Nancy, buy some insurance and shift it to the buyer. <laughs> just, just don't do the repairs and just let the buyer assume the. Uh, and because the the other part of this. Is uh, When I buy a house or when I look at a house because we have clients that are looking to do whatever we go into the house and we say it's going to cost you this much. It'll never come out of this neighborhood. You need to buy a different neighborhood to get this kind of an asset pile. And, and so I go into the house and then somebody fixed up those things and they did a bad job at it they passed the code they're acceptable but they all have to be completely redone again for a a more particular buyer so there is some wisdom i would rather have a house that is still a mess where i get to choose the repair And not live with the remodeled house as opposed to remodeled. I'm talking remodeled. So anyway, that's the issue. We're going to take a short pause and come back for more right here on University of KMOX. All right. Good afternoon. Welcome to CamWax. Welcome back. Stay with us all day. Lots of things happening. Cardinal pregame show coming up 440 p.m. today. And we have all sorts of phone lines open for you. 314-436-7900. Toll free anywhere on the globe. 800-925-1120. Uh, keep in mind that with the rain we've had and the storms, Make sure uh, tomorrow, when things get a little bit friendlier outside and you're looking for a little bit of a get outside day, go out, take a walk about around your house and take a look at the roof, look at the gutters, start at the very top, look at the chimney, the flashing, anything that is out of the ordinary take a closer look i tend to carry uh, binoculars with me sometimes so that i don't have to get up on the roof but look around the top of the roof see if there are any shingles missing things like that uh, we've had some dandy storms they uh we continue to have you know rather explosive weather events here with uh, some downfalls that are happening make sure you t- check it out also around the outside walls of your house especially look for leaks where the gutters might be uh just be aware that um, you know, when we have as much rain as we've had this week, and it'll still come this, this next week, that you know, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire; where there's rain, there's water. So take a look around your house, so that you notice these things. Just be aware. Remember, open closets. If you have a closet on an exterior wall. Open the closet, take a flashlight or turn on the light, look up at the corner, see what's happening up high. Um, I'm going to ask you in the name of this is Look for Trouble. Uh, and, and frankly, if you've got something, then if you notice any moisture with that, um, make sure you're moving the air and drying the air Uh, That includes turning on maybe the blower motor, running a fan if it's a closet or something like that. Just be aware that, you know, with this kind of rainfall weather event, it's the springtime in the Midwest. You know, it is what it is. Um, Let's go see uh, what's happening with my friend here and start with David. Hey, David, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunch on CamoX. How can I help? Hey, Scott. How are you, man? Fantabulous, my friend.
7: I have some... uh... Leaning deck rail issues. Uh, new construction, uh, okay. 10 years, they're vinyl rails. Okay. And in one section in the front, they're starting to lean a, in a bit. Any okay. ideas on on how I could maybe address this issue?
2: Uh, how? What are the posts made of here, David, that are holding up the railing? They're vinyl as well. Oh, really? Um, well... <clears throat> How much leaning in are they? Half an inch, an inch, something like that? I would say close to an inch. Ooh, okay. Uh, two things. Um, do the posts start at the bottom um, under the deck and come all the way up and continue so that it's one post bottom and top, or are these just short four-foot pieces on the outside of the deck?
7: One top all the way. Th- they're just screwed in from the bottom of the deck.
2: Okay, but does that post go from the ground all the way up, that same piece of wood or vinyl?
7: No, it doesn't.
2: Okay, all right, that that tells me what I need to know. There's a board on the uh, outside perimeter of the deck called a band joist. It, it, think of it as a band-aid, if you will. It just nails to the end of the floor joist structure, and on the sides that's actually the the floor joist that your railing will be your posts of the railing will be connected to Uh, when they're um, connected like this here the math on this is it's a big lever it's really easy for these short posts to come disconnected or the fasteners be less connected to the floor joist below the point being Look at the bottom of those joists or the bottom of those posts where it connects to the wood down below. Because if it's leaning in, um, then you have to kind of look at how well they're screwed in, attached, bolted on. Uh, Because it it is um, uh, this is a big deal because people lean on the rails, sit on the rails, you know. um, And if the railing gives up, you know, they're going over the edge. So it's a big deal.
7: Okay, all right. Um, Thanks for that info, Scott. Also, I have another slight issue with the deck also. In one section, I have a little bit of ponding. Okay. Just in probably about a uh, a two-feet section on about six boards across. Uh
2: Uh-huh. Are these boards tight to one another? No, they're just screwed in. Individually, okay. Um, those board. Well, this is this is the second part of my question, and why I was asking all those silly questions about does the board go from the ground all the way up? Uh, the sunshine in St. Louis, uh, everything gets wet. That wood, your decking, your posts, your railing, everything gets wet. And then tomorrow and Monday, the sun comes out, and the sun just cooks it from the south, and it'll cause. Uh, wet wood to dry out faster on the sun side which means it's going to warp and lean and that may be how it's come disconnected at the bottom but likewise it may just be warped lumber which is also common when you slide these vinyl sleeves over the top of you know a 4x4 wood post Uh, just be aware that these The deck boards, the question you're answering me now, those boards sometimes can be disconnected, taken off the deck, flipped upside down, and then you have what's called a crowned board as opposed to a cupped board. So the the two side edges where they dry out quicker literally shrink, and they pull together, and it actually calls a cupping, and that board can hold water in between. Is that kind of what you're describing? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's the deal. And and even as carpenters, I'll tell you this, I'm going to scot this up a little bit here too, David, that okay. there is a crowned lumber grain. So we look at the end grain of a decking, uh, and it can be vinyl, it can be wood. Um, there is no grain on a vinyl, but on wood grain, you typically put the board down so that there, the the arches, the grain of the wood is in a barrel hump um, raised center, and that keeps the board from cupping. If you turn that board upside down, it will cup without rain just because, you know, that's the way the grain its It's going to try and go back and be a tree again. Um, okay, okay. So you may be able to pull those five or six deck boards off. Carefully take those fasteners out because that's the ticket. And then flip those puppies over and reattach them. And you'll not have the, the cupping and the water, but they'll be higher, you know, kind of bumps on a log, if you will, literally. Um, so take a look at that. But then, then when you go back and look at your posts, uh, take a look at that. Uh, and, and you may need some help with some of this on that railing. Because if, if they're in an inch, you almost need somebody who really knows how these things go together to tackle that. Okay. Thank you so
7: much, Scott. I have somebody coming out on Thursday, but I just wanted to get a general idea on what I was looking at.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now you can talk on A Confident Place. I I get it. Good good homework. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Scott. Have, Have a great day. All right. Thanks, David. You too, friend. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Camoex. We are off and running. We've had some good questions today, uh, and again, anything amiss, out of the ordinary, usually these rainstorms show us to show them to us. So uh, uh, anyway, we'll take a short pause and come right back for more uh, after this here on Camoex. Okay, wrapping up the last few minutes of the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Stay tuned. Lots of things happening. Cardinal Baseball pregame show starts at about 4.40 p.m. this afternoon right here at the Pirates. So the game will likely go on undeterred by our own rain issues. Uh, this is Scott Mosby, and I am going to talk with my friend Sherry. Hey, Sherry. Good afternoon. Welcome to CamWax. How can I help you today? Hi, Scott. I have a problem where the siding on my garage
0: is coming to loose. Mm-hmm. It, it's the, okay, the part of it's cracked at the top, where, the, you know, the little slits where you nail it in with the, you know, the yeah. holes. Yes. That's cracked. So now, what do I do? I mean, can you put a hole in the middle of the side, or, or will it crack it if you, if you drill a hole and, you know, it, set it up like that, or what do you do?
2: Uh, are there any... Um holes up there visible because they're typically every inch and a half the whole length of that piece of siding no they're all cracked off oh my um oh. the issue with that siding and the reason it probably cracked off is somebody drove the nails too tight because this is is this vinyl siding i'm imagining Yes, it is, yes, yeah, it vi- is. vinyl in in uh, on a day like today is really short because it's cool and it's wet and it's uh it shrinks uh, then, when the temperature hits 100 degrees and direct sunlight is on it, that same 12 foot piece of siding can be 12 foot and a quarter inch long. So, if somebody drives the nail too tightly, um, the 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 siding's still going to move, but the the nail will not allow it to slot. And that's why those will not allow it to move. And that's why those vinyl siding holes are not round; they're oblong in. Uh, left to right, to allow that piece to slide back and forth. Yes. So the issue that you face there is, yes, you can drive a nail, um, drill a hole and drive a nail, but drill two holes, one next to each other, and do not, as we in carpenters say, don't drive that nail home. You're just hanging that piece of siding on the shaft of that nail, and that's why we use big roofing nails with those big heads. So, yes, you can but uh, don't um, don't secure it too tightly because the issue occurred there, uh, Sherry, because somebody drove those nails too tight. And then another thing was
0: um, I noticed that um, when, I, when I Googled it and I noticed some places where they have the, some type of sheet behind the siding, was that supposed to be taking place for the garage because they don't have it there?
2: Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Uh, nowadays, that's a code thing. Um, there, it's called sheathing, and um, th- that plywood or now um, you know chipboard or oriented strand board. But back in my day, it was plywood, and even before me, it was one by six on a garage that was not a finished interior space. And oftentimes, these were carports where the siding was up high uh, as well. Um, they just nailed the siding right onto the studs. That's um, what they did here. Yeah, and, and and that was okay back at the time it was built, um, depending upon the uh, year of the house and when it was built, but it... Uh, it's okay um i wouldn't pull the side if i had to take the siding off i would then go ahead and resheathe it you know put some osb or something on it because if any you know i mean if a basketball hits that vinyl siding it'll almost go through the vinyl siding because there's no strength behind it to keep the siding from bending wow yeah and even a heavy windstorm you get 80 mile an hour winds coming right at that that siding it'll bend and deflect that siding enough that you know it you could also shear the top of those little pieces off um so there is no real way to fix this because the siding that's brittle like that at that age you can't even if you buy the exact siding exact same color you know it's like new paint on old paint it won't match the color anyway
0: so in other words i have a remodeled job
2: yeah you may wind up pulling all that siding off of that garage or that wall putting plywood or something up on it and then putting the siding over it again um because i i think you have to put the sh- the sheathing back on code wise uh, you know in a remodel situation you know whether you permit it or not it's still that's you know typically even you know in something like that it doesn't really require uh sheathing or a permit uh or it doesn't require a permit but typically building we tend to follow the code anyway because you get a home inspection and somebody comes in and says well there's no sheathing behind the siding that's you know beware you know now you've got the buyer worried about whatever their new house is so wow
0: okay yeah. well thank you so much you have a wonderful show
2: and yeah. you and rick do a great job oh thanks uh what are you going to do with your siding sherry walk me through that a little bit tell me what you're going to do next
0: I don't know. I'm going to look for a handy person to come out and... <laughs> <laughs> because I like I don't, that. Yeah, because I don't know how to deal with it. I mean, when you're saying, well, okay, so put the two nails and give a little space, I'm scared to even put any touch of mine on it because I'm scared I'll crack something or ruin it.
2: So... Yeah. Yeah. Well, be prepared for your handyman to come back, look at it, and say, "Me too, I don't wanna to touch it either. It's just gonna crumble, and you know that's that's part of the you know the experience that you're getting so they don't like. have
0: any kind of glue or something that you can put on it.
2: Well, what would you glue to it? You know, you have to glue in the back, and then this is usually older siding, and it kind of chalks. You know, so you're basically, it's like old paint. You know, you're going to glue something really good to a chalky, falling-apart surface of vinyl siding, and so it won't stick anyway. So then you are much ado about nothing, you know, so...
0: Or either just let it fall down, you know, well, and start over like you're saying. Yeah.
2: Yep. That's kind of. That's kind of. I mean, on from a telephone view, but I would get somebody there that you trust that knows what's going on and and let them give you their opinion because I think they'll. There's a fifty fifty chance they're going to come to the same conclusion you are, Sherry, and say, No, I'm not touching it either. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for your honesty, as usual. Yes, ma'am. All right, yeah, good, bad, or ugly, I tell you what I think. All right, well, take care. (laughs) Thanks, Sherry. Take care. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, we've had a good show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, uh, I enjoy just an array of questions. You know, as I describe, I know a little bit about a lot of topics. I don't know a lot about much. But I know a little bit about a bunch of stuff. Um, So we started off the first hour with a vent fan. The house was built with the vent fan running all the time for the bathroom vent fan. Uh, Bill later called, retired electrician, said, you know, that's not a really good deal because unless you have a continuous duty rated fan, which means it's made to run all the time uh so that's uh, an issue uh, from a safety standpoint uh then we had uh, all kinds of garage wall questions here and uh again beware uh for the repairs if if you're if you have a house and you're selling it uh, I I would, uh, the market is still hot enough that y- you can sell the house as is. You don't need to hire one of the house flipper guys or ugly houses or any of that. Um, typically, I just start with a good real estate agent. And, you know, good advice always counts, you know. And, and the truth, you know, whether you like to hear it or not, as in Sherry's last question here, it's like, you know, I think anybody she calls is going to say, You know, that siding needs to come down, plywood put up, and off we go. All right, stay tuned here on KMOX.